0: So we are in our uh, sixth week of going through the book of James. If you're just joining us now, the the previous teachings are all online. You can go back and get those. But we're in week six of this. teaching through the book of James. And I have to confess that the book of James has always sort of perplexed me a little bit. I've always had some, some trouble with the book of James because he's got a lot of really good teaching in there, a lot of great little pockets of teaching. But he, he, I'm never quite sure how he connects different ideas together or if the ideas are even supposed to be connected together. So James has always somewhat perplexed me. I mean, just for example, today, in today's passage... He starts off talking about the wise person and pretty soon I I find him talking about the peacemaker. And I'm saying, James, is the wise person the same person as the peacemaker? Are those the same person or or is that a whole new idea? And so this time around when I was reading through the book of James, I noticed something that I had never noticed before. I noticed that he uses the the phrase, my brothers and sisters. He uses the phrase, my brothers and sisters. He uses that specific phrase eight times throughout the book of James. And every time he uses that, um, that phrase, he seems to be transitioning between these different uh, major ideas. And so what does that mean for our passage today? My passage that I have for today, it's, it's the first section of a long string of connected teachings then between two of these, my brothers and sisters, statement. It actually spans an entire two chapters. It's the longest section in the book of James. It starts in 3.13 and it continues all the way through 5.12. So it starts in 3.13, James goes on to talk about relationships. He talks about planning, pe- uh, possessions, patience, and perseverance. And then in 5.12, it's like this big crescendo. He's building up all the way to this, and then in 5.12, he says, above all, this is a crescendo, and then he says, above all, my brothers and sisters, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by anything, and, Earth, heaven, or on earth, or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. Eef. I mean, he's talking about condemnation here. Don't swear or you'll be condemned. Now, what's he talking about? What does he, what does he mean by that? So, So back in the day, and still today, I would say, when we swear by something, when we swear by saying, we're saying, as sure as this thing is, As good as this thing is, I swear by it. As good as this thing is, so is my word. It's not just about our words or our promises then. It's about the very foundation that we're building on. It's about what we put our faith in. As sure as this thing is. And so James says, do not swear by anything in heaven or on earth. Think about this. The Bible opens up with these words. If you're not familiar with it, that's okay. But the Bible opens up with these words. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so the question I think James has for us is, are we building our lives? Are we swearing by, are we building our lives on the creation, this thing that God did, or are we building our lives on God himself, the creator? If I asked you today, what is the foundation of your life? What would you say? How would you answer that? Maybe more importantly, the question is, how would you know how to answer that? Where would you look? I mean, we sing songs like, I will build my life upon God's love. It is a firm foundation. We've this song before. Maybe you've sang the song, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Maybe you've heard the classic, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man, you guys know this. Many of you might. And say, well, what does that mean? And how do we do that? I think what James is saying in this long span of teachings, I think he's shaken this down to the very foundation of our lives. He, he's asking us to be honest and take an honest look at our desires and our ambitions and how these play out in our relationships. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and unpack the first part of this long section, which focuses on relationships. We'll begin in chapter 3, verse 13. If you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you brought your phone, go ahead and turn there. Or uh, another mobile device also will be, uh, the, the words will be on the screen. But we're going to start in uh, James chapter 3, 13. And James asked this question. This is kind of fun. James' first question in chapter 3, verse 13, he says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? And we're just going to stop there. That's what he he starts off with. Now think about this. You've maybe heard it said before that James is a book about wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom in James. He follows in the wisdom tradition. James is a book about wisdom, some gut-punching wisdom. So somewhere in the middle of James' book, he actually asks the question, who is wise and understanding among you? Now picture this back in the day. James would have wrote this letter down. And it would have been sent out to all kinds of different churches. Probably would have gotten copied over and over again. They would have sent it out to more. Because it's written to the scattered church. The scattered people of God. So, so it's written and sent across the countryside to all these little gatherings of, of people who are trying to follow Jesus. And just hearing about Jesus. And just learning about Jesus. And James wrote these things down. He sent it out. And then and then, whenever each gathering would have received the letter. Hey, we got a letter. We got a letter, and they'd gather everybody together, probably at a house or something like that, and they'd gather, and we, we got a letter, and they'd say, who's it from? Well, it's from it's from James, the brother of Jesus. It's from it's from James. Let's listen to what he says. Let's listen. And so they start reading it, and they probably would have had a designated reader who stands up front. And James wrote about trials, and he wrote about mercy, and he, he wrote about faith, and he wrote about how to use our words. And after all these teachings, James actually stops, and he asks out loud, and he says... Who is wise among you? What do you think the reader does at that point? Does he look or she? What do you think the people do at that point? They look around. They're like, "Well, oh, you mean us?" Or does, does one of them like look, look down, like, "Oh." hope nobody's looking at me. Or is there somebody in the back going, Ooh, me. I'm the wise. What happens in the room when James does that? What if I asked you this question today and waited for you to answer? Who is wise among you? Would the real wise shady please stand up? <laughs> does, this, does this get awkward? Would you stand up? Does does somebody come to mind? Who is wise among you? Let's ask this. What's your criteria for wise? What is your criteria for wise? Let's keep reading and let's see what James says and where he goes with this. So we are continuing on. Who is wise and understanding among you, James writes. Let them show it by their good life. By deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. We're going to stop there. James says that the wise person can be known by their good life. If I ask you today, what is the good life? What comes to mind? If I ask you to picture somebody living the good life, what do you see in your mind's eye Let's dig a little deeper, and we'll see if our picture is the same as James' picture of the person with a good life. I want to point out a couple things here. First of all, notice that for James, the wise person is not somebody who's collected a bunch of wise sayings and learned how to pass them on to other people. That's not the wise person. Sometimes we think about that, you know, like, remember that old owl commercial where they, they went, and they, how many licks does it take to get to the center? Well, you get one, two, three, crunch, and that's it, and there's wise right there, Right? Sometimes what we think about wise. But James' wise person is living their wisdom. You see it in the way that they live. Second thing we want to notice here, and we're going to get a little philosophical, I hope that's okay. But when we do something, think about this. So when we do something, there are generally three parts to what we do, okay? So there's our intentions, right? There's our intentions, what we intend to do. Then there's our actual action, The thing that we do, and then there's the consequences. Intention, action, consequences. Three parts to the things that we do. And in this section, James talks about each of these three parts. When he says about our intentions, he says, peacemakers sow or invest in peace. Their intentions are for peace. Or our intentions can come from bitter envy and selfish ambition. Okay? Then he talks about our actions, our, our deeds, And James says that there are deeds done in humility. Now, another way to translate humility is gentleness. So think about that. I like that. Gentle deeds. Or we can be doing evil practices, James says. And the consequences. We can either reap a harvest of righteousness or there's going to be disorder. It's going to be disorder. And we don't always have direct influence or control over what the consequences are. But we do have a lot to do with our intentions and our actions, our desires and our deeds, our hearts and our hands. Some time ago, I was working at an organization. It was a great place, but there was a a little bit of dysfunction. And so uh, some people, they weren't doing their job, and a, a lot of people's responsibilities started falling on me. And at first I thought, okay, this is all right. We have each other's backs. We can get through this. But then I was also a full-time student, and I was working two jobs at the time as well too. And so I've you know, i got other people's responsibilities falling on me, and I thought, ooh, this is getting pretty heavy. And pretty soon, the, the, the organization hired a new director. And this new director came in, he gathered us all together, and then he started sharing this message, casting his vision for how we were going to do things. And when he was casting his vision in my head, I'm thinking, he is contributing to the dysfunction that's already happening in this place. And I was not happy. And in that moment, I felt the weight of the load when, that I was carrying, and I, and I spoke up and I said something about it. Now, did I have a good point? Was I right with what I said? I mean, do you, do you have to ask? Of course I was right. But was I gentle? I would like to think that my intentions were mostly good. I mean, I wanted to see the place run better. I wanted to see the relationships work better in the place that we were working. But my actions and the way I went about it, I will tell you this. I did not reap a harvest of righteousness on that night. I have a person who's become a part of my life And we disagree on things. What blows me away, though, is the grace that this man has. He's very passionate about what he believes, but at the same time, he is so humble and gentle in the way that he carries himself with people. And I'm learning from him. How are you doing these days? Are you reaping a harvest of righteousness? Or are you contributing to the disorder? What about your intentions, your heart, and the desires? Like if we open you up and we look inside, are we going to see peace, love, and consideration, and mercy? Like James talks about. Or are we going to find bitter envy and selfish ambition? What about your actions? If we looked at your actions, just your deeds, the work of your hands, like are they humble and gentle? Or, Or are they something else? Let's keep reading, and we'll see where James goes from here. He starts a new section, kind of. I mean, it's all this continuous thing, but he starts this next part with another question, and he says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? James is really... What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. You adulterous people, he writes, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Yikes. Then he says this, or do you think? That Scripture says, without reason, that He jealously longs for the Spirit He has caused to dwell in us it says this But He gives us more grace, and that is why Scripture says God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. So again, James asked another good question. He says, What causes the fights and quarrels among you? Do you find yourself in any fights and quarrels these days? Little arguments? Maybe with people that you're close to. Maybe your family, your spouse, friends, co-workers, your kids. Maybe it's people who you disagree with, either at work, within the community, at school. Maybe somebody online. Maybe you just find yourself yelling at the TV from time to time. James says that quarrels, they start with the desires in our hearts That are aimed at satisfying our own pleasure. And it's here he says that we become friends with the world. Now what does it mean to be a friend of the world? What does it mean to be a friend of the world? When Jesus talks about friendship in John chapter 15, he said it's about knowing and doing the will of God. Friendship for Jesus is about alignment. Our hearts and our hands, our desires and our deeds. Friendship for Jesus is about alignment. How are you aligned these days? What if I asked it this way? What is the picture of your good life that you're working towards? What are the commitments in your life? What do your commitments show us, show you, about how you are aligned these days? I imagine there are some of us in the room. We are aligned with God. We are living for Him. We are the wise And we bless you for that. I imagine there are some of us, we are walking a winding path. We kind of get off a little bit and then we come back. We get off a little bit, come back, maybe we get off a lot of it and then we come back. But some of us, I imagine, we're discovering that we've been chasing after a good life and we're just now realizing that that good life wasn't so good. But listen to what James says, and this is where we have to listen closely. It says, God longs He jealously longs for the Spirit He has caused to dwell in us. How many of you have ever felt jealous? How many of you have ever felt that feeling of jealousy? It's a strong feeling, isn't it? In fact, it's consuming. And that is how God feels toward you. That is how God feels toward you. You. The word for for spirit, which is pneuma, can also mean air or breath. God has caused the spirit in you. God has also given you every breath that you breathe, like Carla was saying earlier. He longs for every breath that you breathe. And some of you maybe need to hear this today. I wrote it down a couple weeks ago when I was preparing for this. I wrote it down and I tried to say it out loud and I couldn't. I couldn't say it without tears which was actually good because I had a sinus infection, so it sort of cleaned (laughs) things out. God is jealous for the very air you are breathing. He wants you to be with Him. And some of us need to hear this today because we've aligned ourselves somewhere else. Maybe it's because we haven't felt loved. Maybe it's because we've been believing a lie. Maybe it's because we just didn't know any better. But maybe it's because we've been angry with God. But God gives grace. And He longs for you, for your every breath. And He gives grace no no matter where your path has been taking you. He opposes the proud. But He shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. He shows favor to the humble. Which one are you today? One thing that keeps coming back for James in this passage and in this section is this notion of selfish ambition and bitter envy. And one Christian writer has helped me to understand why these things might actually be paired together like this. This Christian writer he says, I am to love God enough to be contented, and I am to love others enough not to envy. I am to love God enough to be contented. I am to love others enough not to envy. So this is really about the great command from Jesus. Love God and love others. And as I fall in love with God, I come to a place of contentment. And I lose my selfish ambition. I let go of that. And as I fall in love with others and love on them, then I'm just happy for them. And I don't harbor this, this bitter envy against them. This is all about our loving relationship with God and with others. Now, if James was going to be really helpful to us, don't you think that right now he would include maybe a paragraph about how to get right with God and and how to be right with others? Let's keep reading and see where James takes us. We're going to continue on, and James says this. He says, Submit yourselves then to God, Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. This looks like a paragraph about how to get right with God. And listen to these words that James says. Submit, come near, wash, purify, grieve, change, humble. I think Jesus summed this up in three words when he said repent and believe. Repent simply means to turn away from the place that I was. Turn away from those things and turn towards God. James says, humble yourself and realign with God, and He will lift you up. Because He longs for you, for your every breath. Let's keep reading and see where James goes next. We're going to pick up in verse 11. It says this, Brothers and sisters, this is not a my brothers and sisters, this is just a brothers and sisters statement. It says, Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I don't know, but this looks like a paragraph about how we get right with our brothers and sisters. Isn't it interesting that James begins with how we speak about others? How do you speak about others? I mean, we have access to a lot of different speaking platforms. It's so easy to speak about other people these days. But let me flip this around for a moment and ask you, have you ever had somebody speak something against you? Some time ago, I I actually discovered that someone said something about me behind my back. It was not true and it was not kind. James might actually call that slander. I actually said to my wife, Rachel, I said, that probably reflects more on that person than it does on me. If it wasn't true, it wasn't kind, it wasn't gentle like James says. So maybe something's going on inside their heart. Wouldn't you agree? If somebody says something that's not true, not kind, it's probably a sign of something going on inside their heart. Now, think about this. The next time I feel like I want to say something, I feel this desire inside myself, like James talked about desire. I feel this desire to say something about somebody else, no matter who they are. I have to ask myself the same question. What's going on inside my heart right now? Am I going to say something that's true? Am I going to say something that is gentle? Am I going to say something that is wise? How are you speaking about others these days? This might tell us a lot about our foundation and whether or not we are aligned with God. Now, how many of you have seen the movie National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Because I had a serious Clark Griswold moment over Christmas break this year. One day, I had set up this ladder. All of our Christmas decorations are up in these lofts in our garage. It's about eight feet off the ground, so I set up this ladder, and uh, I'm climbing up and down the ladder, you know, bringing stuff up, and bringing stuff down, and getting it all there. And one of the last loads—it was honestly one of the last loads—I I took it up, I set it up, put the just put the tote up in there, and then all of a sudden, poof, and I am on the ground. I'm laying on my back. My leg was somehow underneath the ladder. I don't know how that happened. I was laying on top of the ladder and my eyes were like basketballs just staring at the ceiling. I thought, what happened? Now, I had climbed the ladder multiple times, up and down, up and down, up and down, and it worked until it didn't. And my foundation collapsed from under me. How is your foundation these days? How is your foundation these days? As a teaching team, we wanted to respond to the following three questions. Uh, Every teacher in this series is responding to these same three questions. And so the first question is this, what does James want us to know? In this this section, what does James want us to know? And I think he wants us to know that, that wisdom is built on a solid rock. It's built on Jesus. And you say, okay, well, what does that mean? Wisdom is lived in alignment with God. Jesus said that friendship is to know and to do the will of God. And so wisdom is alignment with God. And therefore, when we misalign, we go somewhere else, like with selfish ambition and bitter envy, these things destroy lives. They destroy our own, they destroy other people, they destroy relationships. But here's the good news that James does want us to know, is that God longs for your every breath. Every breath that you breathe, He's longing for that breath. He wants you to be with Him. But remember this, that also means that God wants their breath too, whoever they is for you this season of your life. The second question is this, what does James want us to do? I think James wants us us to be built on a solid rock. James wants us to know and do and live the will of God. He wants us to be right with God, to turn away from the things that we need to turn away from and turn towards Jesus. And I think James wants us to speak wisely about others. And so what are my next steps? Here's some possible next steps for you. I think the first thing is to check your alignment. And I don't mean in your car. Check your alignment. And you say, well, how how does that happen? How do I check my alignment? Jesus was completely aligned with God. So you can look to him. Read through the Gospels. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and just look at his life and say, does my life look like his? Maybe you don't have to wear sandals and a robe, but I think you know what I mean. We can ask ourselves, what is the version of the good life that we're living for? And is that aligned with what James is talking about with the good life? We can look at our hearts and our hands, we can look at our desires and our deeds, and we can say, what do these say? What do these show about my alignment these days? And finally, what are the next steps? One is to, this final one is to invest your words. Invest your words such that we are sowing in peace, so that we can reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Gracious God, somewhere in your word, one of the writers says, Search me, God. Know my ways. If there is any undesirable way in me, then Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. We pray now, God, that you would search us. That you would lead us in the way everlasting. That you would align our hearts with you. God, I thank you for those who are wise with us today. I thank you for their example for all of us to follow. Lord, you have planted wise people here among us. And they are a gift from you. Lord, for many of us, we are we are walking winding paths some days. Lord, help us know where to turn away and turn towards you. Give us the strength that we need. And Father, let us always wake up and live with the knowledge God, that you long for our every breath, that you jealously long for us. And that it's not some sort of angry, frustrated longing, but it is out of your pure love for us. We thank you for these things. We pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.